Everyone struggles with fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, or some emotional issue. But what if I told you that you could exchange that life for one of victory? Are you interested? My name is Mark McKinn, and I'm joined with Dr. John Woodward. And together, we want to guide you into a complete and victorious identity in Christ. Our desire is for everyone to know Christ as Savior, Lord, and life, so that you can live victoriously, disciple strategically, and counsel effectively. Welcome to Glimpses of Grace. Welcome to Glimpses of Grace, episode number 12. John, can you believe we are 12 episodes into this thing? A dozen reasons to give thanks, Mark. You know, I, I'm still blown away by uh, just where the podcast has gone, if I could confess. I really thought that maybe uh, our wives, maybe my mom, uh, your dad maybe would be listening. And this podcast is now worldwide, and, and it just seems like every week I check on things to make sure the podcast is still up and running, and boom, Singapore pops up. So welcome to all of you from Singapore who are listening, and all around the world, no matter where you are or what you're doing, welcome to Glimpses of Grace. I'm Mark McKinn, this is Dr. John Woodward, and we're just thankful to be here today. We sure are, Mark, and we're thankful for those who are not only listening, but passing on Uh, the news of the podcast to others, and we hope it'll be a resource that'll encourage many. Well, I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today, but before we do, what's a word you have for us today? Well, on Monday night, we have a Bible study online, and our teacher last week was our friend Rob Semko from Rhode Island, and as he was going through the lesson, he was pointing out in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, there are a number of things there that are very practical, things like um, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, do not quench the Spirit. But as we go through that list of exhortations, Mark, sometimes we can feel like, wow, that's a long list, and those are pretty high standards, and yeah. we can think, that's that's really hard to, to do. But then when we come to verse 23, Rob pointed out, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the next verse puts it all in a grace context where it says, He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. So it's the Holy Spirit working in and through us that gives us the grace to respond in these ways to the Lord. I love that. He will do it. You can you can rest assured, no matter what you're going through today, He will do it. Now, The truth is, he may not do it at the time frame you want him to do it, and he may not even do it the way you want him to do it, but he will do it, and I love that. Well, I'm excited today, John, because we're going to do something a little bit different, and that is we're going to showcase a little bit of one of our resources, and uh, you know, we've thrown out some books that we have been quoting from in the podcast, but one of the things that our listeners may not be aware of is that we have a bookstore filled with a lot of great resources. Some of those um, are books that our founder, Dr. Solomon, uh, wrote, and some of those are books that you yourself, uh, Dr. John, have written. And one of those that we're going to talk about today is a book. I have it right here in my hands, and it is called Man as Spirit, Soul, and Body, 
uh, a study of biblical psychology written by our very own here, John B. Woodward. I like that. You, you put the middle initial in there. Pretty formal, Bradford. Tell us a little bit about the book. What, what made you want to write it? When my wife Linda and I came to Tennessee for the Grace Fellowship Workshop back in 1996, it was really meaningful in our lives to get a clear understanding of how the exchange life can be appropriated in our own individual lives and also how we can share it through this model that we advocate here at Grace Fellowship. So Dr. Solomon encouraged me to pursue a Doctor of Ministry degree at Luther Rice Seminary and also asked if I would research the whole concept of the model of man, especially the physical, psychological, spiritual aspects of man. So I thank Luther Rice for kind of putting my feet to the fire to teach me to do some research and writing. And uh, so the book was a project that uh, came out of those studies. And we are going to talk about some of those takeaways from the book. But to kind of get us into the discussion, um, I want to actually read a foreword that you have written for a future resource that we will be publishing hopefully sometime uh, this year, if not this year, next year, uh, which is called uh, Exploring the Treasure of Your Human Spirit, written by Dr. John Best. But in the foreword, you, you say this, um, you, you quote from 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And here's what you say. Have you ever wondered precisely how the old things have passed away when you still have a mortal body and are steps behind where you would like to be in your thoughts, feelings, and actions? And what are the things that have become new in your life? Answers to this, many other relevant questions await you in the following chapters. I am really excited about reading this because, John, if I could be honest, that is a big question that I had earlier in my ministry as I was pondering what was made new because I knew it wasn't my body. I know it's not my body today because my, my knee hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought, but you know, it's not necessarily my emotional part of who I am, right? Which we would call the soul. And we'll get into that a little bit more later because I know that there's still, like you say, some thoughts and that I struggle with. So I'm excited. Let's jump in there because I think this is very relevant to what a lot of people are thinking today. And as we talk about John Best's book, by the way, that is the best book, right? Right. <laughs> His name indicates it. <laughs> by the way, it is available on our Kindle store, and uh, we can print off a copy for someone if they're eager to to get a, a hard copy. We can make that available, but we will be making it in, in a paperback edition pretty soon. So remember, Mark, when um, you're using a printer, you can have the option of black and white, or if it's a picture, it can be grayscale. But then when it's color, of course, there's a whole new dimension. And as we think about the model of man, when we understand the soul-spirit distinction, when we answer questions like, what does the Bible mean by this being a new creation? It's like going from grayscale to color. It gives us additional clarity. And as those who are involved in personal ministry, Mark, with your coaching, as we do counseling with people, Having a clear model of man gives us clarity in a number of different issues that we'll explore as we unpack this a bit today. You mentioned the verse at the beginning from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, 
And as I was thinking about today's topic and doing a little reading from your book, you uh, quote a man and you mention in that that in his workings of this verse of 1 Thessalonians 5.23, where he talks about the spirit, the soul, and the body, that actually it's three separate Greek words, and the spirit being pneuma, and then the soul being that, and here's how he breaks it down. In Greek, it is defined as the seat of the affections, desires, emotions, will, hence self. And then, of course, body in Greek, soma, is tabernacle. It is the house of the spirit and the soul. So you're right. When we are doing coaching or we're doing counseling, it's so important to have that distinction as we're talking about the spirit and that which relates to God and the soul, that which is relating to others. And that is the seat of our mind, our will, and our emotion. Some listeners may be more familiar with a secular model, which teaches in a university setting or in secular counseling that man is just a biological machine, and so counseling is just behavior modification, and the idea of a immaterial aspect of man is a big step. Well, we know the Bible clearly teaches that we're not just one organism. The Bible says, for example, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, A number of passages talk about how we have an immaterial side and a material side. The reason that that's important in counseling, Mark, is that we've had situations where someone might have a physical ailment, but they have false guilt thinking it's a spiritual problem. And usually it's the other way around, where someone is trying to correct mental and emotional problems primarily through thinking it has to be a medical issue or dealt with in terms of psychotropic medications. So we want to have a clear understanding of what's going on in a person's life if they're struggling with mental or emotional problems or or other issues, because having an accurate diagnosis leads us to the right remedy that God provides. Okay, so with that in mind, let's go back to the original question. So as we look at 2 Corinthians 5.17, all things have passed away, behold, all things are new, what was made new? And we believe that this is a good example, Mark, of introducing the topic, because when the Bible talks about the new birth, it's talking about our human spirit. And we would define your human spirit as the part of you that relates to God. You see, plants have, you might say, um, material life. Animals, if you have a dog or a cat listener, uh, you know they have a mind, a will, and emotions. Uh, But only human beings have a human spirit. When we go back to Genesis chapter 2, it says that God took dust of the earth and he breathed into man, and man became a living soul, literally. So you have the material part, you have God breathing into Adam, that's your spirit, and then you have Adam becomes a living soul. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned against God and died, they died that very day as God warned But it was their human spirit that became separated from the life of God. So when we come to Ephesians 2, 1, it says that we were dead in trespasses and sins. In what way? Well, we weren't dead physically, but we were dead spiritually. So when our Lord says to Nicodemus, you must be born again, he's talking about a spiritual rebirth. So Mark, as you learned about these concepts, that was a meaningful text for you too, wasn't it? It really was because... 
that was the question. As I was pondering, of course, in seminary, uh, I, I really kind of held the belief that, you know, I had a body and then the soul, the spirit were kind of, you know, one, we just use those interchangeably. But this verse really began to challenge that thought for me personally, because as I said at the beginning, I had body parts that hurt. I knew that my soul, the seat of my emotions, had not been redeemed. And so that really began a search for truth for me to ask that question, because what was made new and what you said about the fall was a part of that for me, because I realized that on that day, they didn't die physically. They began the process of death. Their emotions were definitely affected, but the you know, the mind, the will, the emotion was still alive, and we see that as we continue to read through the book of Genesis. But yes, they died spiritually. And that really helped me to begin to understand the body, the soul, and the spirit, which also led me on a quest because, you know, John, as you know, my... Um, I don't know if it's a, I guess it's a dream, but it's just, you know, my desire in life is to help people to be healthy physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And so we quote a lot our vision statement, which says we want to guide people into complete and victorious identity in Christ. That completeness comes from 1 Thessalonians 5.23, that we want you to be completely healthy, completely victorious in your health, in your emotional health, your physical health, and your spiritual health. And as you use those adjectives, it reminds me, Mark, that all those who are studying Scripture pretty much are in agreement that the physical, the psychological, the spiritual aspects of people are distinct. Really, the the part that's not as clear is that is there a noun behind psychological? Is there a noun behind spiritual in other words, people can use our, our model materials, and if they're not convinced that soul and spirit are distinct, they can still just use the word psychological, spiritual, and right. use the wheel diagram. But we believe that there are nouns behind the adjectives. There are nouns behind the, uh, the adverbs when you talk about living spiritually. And so when our Lord said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, remember Nick got that wrong idea. He said, you mean I need to go back into my mother's womb and be born? And all mothers listening said, oh, no. Um, So our Lord said, no, I'm not talking about that kind of birth. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. So mark this verse that we've talked about. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. It's our spiritual birth that's the new creation. Old things have passed away. And we believe that that's literal. What has passed away? Well, who you were in Adam was canceled to Calvary. Amen. The old man, Romans 6.6, knowing this of the old man, past tense, was crucified with Christ. Mm -hmm. That means that who we were in Adam was replaced by this new man recreated in the image of God. So when the Bible talks about regeneration, which is another word for salvation, being made alive to God, it's talking about a spiritual birth. So when we talk about salvation, Mark, we could talk about three tenses that go along with these three aspects of man. We would say that spiritually, we are already saved from the penalty of sin. In our soul, we are being delivered right from the influence of sin. And someday we'll get a resurrected body where we will be saved from the very 
presence of sin. Yeah, and I love you actually uh, speak about regeneration in the book, and I actually wrote this down, and I love what you say when you're talking about regeneration is the aspect of conversion whereby God reverses spiritual death and implants new life in the believer. And you say new life is created by God, and it results in the believer being a new creation. And we've talked about this before. That's new, not polished, not patched up, not just upgraded. It's brand new. And when we talk about what happened to the old, this would be a great time if you're just following us now on the podcast to go back to episodes six, seven, eight, nine, where we're talking about, you know, what does it mean that I was crucified with Christ? What does it mean that I was buried with Christ, resurrected with Christ, and ascended with him? And you can go back and listen more to those in those episodes. And Mark, we also talk about the theme of our new identity in Christ, which is such an encouraging theme when we talk about living victoriously, counseling strategically. And when we talk about this new identity, we're saying that that's based on our new spirit, isn't it? I mean, we have a, a, a physical aspect of our identity. We have a personality. So we have these relative aspects of identity. But when we talk about identity in Christ as talking about our spiritual identity, which is based not just on a theory, but on the fact that we are new creations in Christ. And that identity is positive and secure, isn't it? It really is. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And the writer of Hebrews says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. A key verse in this whole discussion. And we would not understand this psychological spiritual distinction apart from an inductive study of God's Word. So the illustration there, Mark, is of a priest knife going through uh, the sacrificial animal. And so it talks about joints and marrow. So the outer part of the bone is like the soul. The inner part, the marrow, is like our human spirit. So conceptually, you might say that the soul is in the body, and the human spirit is in the soul, if you think in terms of Mm -hmm. kind of a target, a a concentric circle illustration. And so this living and powerful Word of God shows us the significance of our spiritual blessings in Christ. It shows us that our mind does need to still be renewed, that our will needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to love God and love others, and that we can have emotional peace by the fruit of the Spirit. And I think that is the practical of why we're wanting to have this conversation today. Uh, It's not to try to drum up a debate or to say that someone is right and wrong. What are some other ways as we're thinking about this idea of how we relate to God, how we're relating to others, and of course our body is this earth suit, how we're relating to the environment and the world. What are some other practical ways that this is helpful for the listener today? Well, when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he was writing to a church that was in a very pagan, immoral culture. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Corinthians knew about pagan temples. That was part of their culture. And here in our society today, our culture is becoming more and more ungodly, more pagan. 
But God is calling true believers in Christ to realize, 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? And you are not your own. You are bought with the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So as John Best and, and as I have delved into this topic in the books that we've referred to, we are so appreciative of the illustration that we, as human beings, are similar to a, a temple. If you think about it, that tabernacle in the wilderness, remember there was the courtyard And then the building itself, that temporary worship structure, was one building, and yet it had two rooms, didn't it? Yes. So they would enter into the holy place, and there was the three sacred aspects of the furniture there, the table of showbread, the the altar of incense, uh, the, the lampstand. Then there was that curtain, and then the holy of holies, or the most holy place, where there was the Ark of the Covenant. Mm -hmm. And I was intrigued as I uh, started to do research for the book that Martin Luther— the famous reformer, uses that illustration as also a description of how God made us. And what he mentions is that our body reminds us of the courtyard that was open to the elements. Mm -hmm. And our immaterial part is like the tabernacle building. So he would say that our soul reminds us of the holy place. We have our mind, will, and emotions. And therefore, our human spirit is like the holy of holies. Wow! And the more you investigate the model of the tabernacle and later the temple, and you see that God calls you and me as believers a temple of the Holy Spirit, we see a lot of significant parallels that shows us that we have dignity, not only as human beings, but as born-again believers. And that calls us to live with a sense of, of holiness and a positive testimony that God really does live in us as his children. Wow. Uh, that is such good information, And, you know, I think maybe it would be good for us to come back to this in a future episode and really talk about, from that perspective, how this soul and what is happening in the soul is also having an effect in our spirit and vice versa. And I, 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 as you were thinking about that, I've got a million questions, but I know if I ask one of them, this 30-minute podcast is going to go to like two to three hours. So we're going to have to come back to that one. So I'm going to write that down. That was such a great, great point. Thank you for sharing that. And again, as we're thinking about the practical workings of this, um, in your book, John, you have a quote here from Watchman Nee. And I thought this was really key to what we're talking about. And Watchman Nee says, it is imperative that believers recognize a spirit exists within them, something extra to thought, knowledge, and imagination of the mind, something beyond affection, sensation, and pleasure of the emotion, something additional to desire, decision, and action of the will. This component is far more profound than these faculties. God's people not only must know that they possess a spirit, they also must understand how this organ operates its sensitivity, its work, its power, its laws. Only in this way can they walk according to their spirit and not the soul or body of their flesh. Watchman, he's done such a good job to unpack the abundant life in the context of our physical, psychological, and spiritual aspects, such as the normal Christian life and his uh, really big book, The Spiritual Man, goes into a lot of detail. And so we've seen that the tabernacle uh, is a illustration of how we also are a temple of the Holy Spirit. 
Another illustration mark that impresses me is Proverbs 20, verse 27, which says, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching the inner recesses of the heart. Mm. This week I was reading a book by Dallas Willard about hearing God, and he quoted that verse, and Dallas Willard um, was a career uh, academic scholar in the area of philosophy at University of Southern California, so he knew a lot about uh, thinking, but also he is widely respected and influential in the whole spiritual formation movement, writing books like Hearing God or The Divine Conspiracy and so forth. And so he sees that the human spirit is a part of us, the aspect of our capability as human beings, that when we're born again, we can actually experience God's presence and walk in fellowship with Him. And so if you picture the oil lamp that the original readers of the Bible would have thought of when they thought of the candle, they would think of an oil lamp, that is meant to be the aspect of us that searches how we think and how we feel and what motivates us, the inner recesses of the heart. So when we talk about our new human spirit, we might say, Mark, that when we're born again, it's like that lamp that had been extinguished at the fall, um, where we're kind of in the dark spiritually until we're born again. Now that lamp has been relit. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says that the person who is the solical, literally, or the natural person does not perceive the things of the Spirit of God. They're in the dark, so to speak. Mm. They might have a PhD in religious studies, but not understand the basic uh, truth of the gospel. But when we're born again, then our intuition is illumined, and now the Word of God becomes an open book to us, and we can have that true personal knowledge and awareness of God's presence with us. Praise the Lord. Well, it's usually at this time, John, that we have a glimpse of grace. And it was amazing because before we started recording today, we had a hard time coming up with one, and not because there uh, was not one. It's because there are so many, especially recently, of people that are coming into complete and victorious identity in Christ. But what were some that kind of jumped out at you as we were discussing? Well, we've had two different couples in counseling recently that have had miracles in their marriage. And part of what God used to bring them to realignment with God's Spirit in their personal life and reconciliation in their marriage was discovering their new identity in Christ and yielding to the Holy Spirit. And marriage is such a relationship that brings out our need for supernatural resources. Right, Mark? Right. And we're excited that you and your wife, Carrie, had an opportunity recently in Gatlinburg to present the Christ-centered life and the grace-oriented model of discipleship for marriage enrichment. How did that go? It went really well. Last month, Carrie and I were uh, sharing uh, a lot of things about marriage and taking some of these principles of exchange life that we teach here at Grace Fellowship. And really the idea, John, was if we are new creations, if I'm a new creation and my wife is a new creation, then shouldn't we have a new marriage? And if we have a new marriage, then that question is, what does that new marriage look like? So we started off and we talked about uh, how marriage really should be you, me, and Holy Spirit. And that's not three, that's one. You know, we're called to be one, we're one in Him, and that we have a helper. And the helper is, you know, there to help us, but also as God, He's able to breathe life into that which is dying. And the first night, we just really asked the question, what part of your marriage, maybe that used to be alive, 
that needs life again, that the helper could just breathe life into. And from there, we went into talking about how to manage conflict within the marriage. Uh, Carrie took the ladies off and did a ladies-only session. I did a men's-only session. Then we uh, came back, talked about that new marriage, what that looks like. Uh, We even talked about how not to be kid-centered um, and then uh, finished up with really just talking about uh, Ephesians 5.33, respect and love. And so really powerful. She and I are thinking about uh, kind of recording that in a podcast form so that we could share it with the listeners here uh, on Glimpses of Grace or in some other way, some other format. So, yeah, it was really powerful. Lots of conversations that have stemmed from that. Well, we've had people asking for it already, and I'm one of them. So we're <laughs> glad that you and Carrie can um, make a recording of that in some fashion. I know our listeners would be interested in that resource. Often we start at the conclusion of Ephesians chapter 5, where it talks about wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And what wonderful passages those are. However, notice that if you go back a bit, it says, submit to one another out of reference for Christ. Well, let's go back a bit further to verse 18, right? Do not be drunk with wine, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. And then we go back even further to Ephesians 1 through 3, which I know you and Carrie referred to, where it talks about how God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing yeah. and that we have a new identity. So that's really foundational for a grace-oriented marriage, isn't it? It really is. And you're right, if you just start with verse 33, or even if you go back and just start at verse 22 of chapter 5, you're going to have some issues. So you really have to start and look at it from the whole biblical picture. In fact, you know, um, Bill Gillum would say, if you're having issues with something, it's good to go back to the instruction manual. So if you're having some issues in marriage, you're having some issues in parenting, you're having some issues in life, pretty wise decision to go back to the instruction manual. What does the Word of God say? And that's a great place to start. And Mark, when we're talking about our Glimpses of Grace part of our podcast and testimonies, um, would you be able to share a bit about how your spiritual breakthrough contributed to you being more aware of the physical aspect of how God's grace can impact us? Yeah. You know, I think for me, John, when I really come to understand the principles of exchange life and really began to see how my spirit had been redeemed, but yet... When I was in control of my own life, that was really stirring up what I call a tornado of emotion within my soul. Uh, These thoughts of inadequacy, insecurities, inferiority issues, you know, worry, stress, doubt, those only make things worse. And it's like a tornado, it starts maybe as an F1, but the more you worry, the more you doubt, the more you doubt, the more you worry, the more you worry and doubt, the more you fear, the more you fear, the more you get stressed out. That turns into an F2, an F3, an F4, an F5. But then the bigger thing for me is once I realized that that exchange, exchanging that life, the self-life, when I was trying to do things my own way, even though I knew Christ, even though he was in me, he just wasn't in the center But even when I came to understand that and that, wait a minute, I don't have to live through a tornado of emotion. I have the mind of Christ, the strength of Christ, the peace of Christ, his resources, and unspeakable joy. I have that when Christ is in the center. I realized there was also a part of my body that was now living out the residual effect of when I was in the center. 
So, you know, John, for me, when, when Mark was trying to control everything, my go-to stress was the cheeseburger. And in fact, I started writing a book myself. And in that, one of the chapters is called, you know, the, the, the God of comfort, my cheeseburger. And of course, now if you would have asked me, who's my God of comfort? I would have said, oh, it's, it's Jesus, right? Cause that's the right answer. It's kind of like, you know, you're in Sunday school, you know, what color is the sky? And everybody says Jesus, right? It's just, that's what we say. But that was not how I was living. And wasn't there a restaurant right across the street from your right office? Right across the street from my office. And the lady who owned it went to our church. So this was when I was pastoring. And I would text her or call her and just say, hey, I'm on my way. And she would have this nice, juicy cheeseburger and fries, Coke, waiting on me. But, John, the problem was is that I would get halfway through the cheeseburger and realize, wait a minute, I've already had lunch. This wasn't lunch. This was comfort. And I added about 65 pounds onto my frame. So I come to understand my identity in Christ. I come to understand these exchange life principles. But what didn't happen when I got victory in my spirit and my soul is I still had, you know, pants I couldn't wear, shirts I couldn't wear. I would look in the mirror and, and just to be truth, some of those feelings of inadequacy came back. So that led me to really start to want to help people in that physical way that I talked about at the beginning. And so just uh, recently, uh, I became a certified personal trainer so that, especially with pastors and ministry leaders, when they do come to understand, hey, you know, this is who I am in Christ, I need to exchange my self-life for Christ's life, that I could now help them lose that weight or, you know, get physically uh, fit, not to look good at the beach. I'm not in for that. So if you're listening, you're like, hey, Mark can help me get ready for vacation. That's not what I, that's not what it's about for me. It's just about being healthy because, as you said earlier, I am a tabernacle. I, I am. I, the Holy Spirit is in me, and I want to make sure that tabernacle is ready so that when God calls, I'm able to go and do this for as long as I can. And Mark, back then I could have said, you're not heavy, you're my brother. <laughs> but actually, um, those pounds did come off, right? Tell us the rest of the story. Yeah, they did. In fact, uh, one of my friends, who I hope to get on the podcast sometime soon, um, asked me to disciple him. And uh, it was funny. He said, how about you help me learn how to lose flesh uh, in the spiritual way, and I'll help you lose flesh in the physical way. So we began a, a partnership and a friendship together, and uh, he helped me lose right at seventy pounds. And um, yeah, so I'm I feel I feel good that that was probably uh, I don't know six years ago. So and so notice in our initial text that we said. In the scriptures, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, may God sanctify you spirit, soul, and body. And we believe that even that sequence is significant because you knew that you were a new creation in Christ. You were allowing the Holy Spirit to renew your mind, heal damaged emotions, empower your will. And that gave you the motivation and a grace-oriented view of being healthier physically with the weight loss. Yeah, and, and I think understanding that progression is very important because you know, John, I meet a lot of people who want to start with the body and they want to look good. Or they are maybe just thinking about it from an emotional standpoint. But you have to start spiritually. You have to start spiritually. Because without God, there is nothing. Without faith, it's impossible. 
And so, you know, there's so much more that we could get into. I think we really just scratched the surface today. So if I could just implore you listeners to, you know, go to our website, gracefellowshipinternational.com. We have a bookstore there. If you would really like to dive into this more, um, this book is really great. Man is Spirit, Soul, and Body, uh, written by Dr. Woodward. But there's also a lot of other resources on our store that you can pick up. There's videos that you can um, watch. There's audio clips that you can listen to. Our app is now available. We have uh, you know, some of the recent sermons that I've done, some other sermons that have been so profound to you and I, Dr. John, are on that. You can get that app on the Apple Store or through Google Play. And if you're having a problem finding it, just email us, hello at gracefellowshipinternational.com, and I can send you the link to that. Um, so, yeah, just a lot of stuff. John, anything else that you want to say before we go today? Well, the glimpses of grace also tie into Dr. John Best's book, Exchange Lives, which is full of testimonies. And, Mark, we have been talking about the distinctions of body, soul, spirit, but also these are interrelated, of course. So what's going on spiritually affects your soul, what's going on in your soul affects your body, as we've mentioned. And we've seen that when people come to have the mind of Christ and his peace and the turmoil and stress in their soul uh, becomes more of a sense of joy and completeness in Christ, then often stress-related health problems do improve, whether we're talking about chronic headaches or racing heartbeat or, or other problems, insomnia. A number of these physical ailments do become displaced by the grace and the healing power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So many of those testimonies in our testimony books uh, reflect that there are physical and psychological blessings to knowing who we are in Christ and who He is in us. You know, John, I really feel led to say this. I think there's some listeners that are going to be listening to this podcast and I don't know why I'm specifying this one, but you're you're struggling with sleep, and you are going toward medication. You've taken everything that off the counter you can find. You're trying to figure out the symptom, and I would just love for you to reach out to us, and let's start with the spiritual. I can't tell you how many people, John, that we've helped who maybe it started with fear or it started with this, but really it, what the desperation was, I haven't slept. In fact, go listen episode 10 to Monica's story, and you'll hear her talk about the lack of sleep that she had um, and how that affected a lot of things in her body and then also in, you know, in her emotions as well. But the answer came from the spiritual. We can help you with that answer too. So if you're interested in counseling or coaching, please reach out to us. You can find all that information again at the website, gracefellowshipinternational.com. Well, thank you so much for listening. Just a few things. If you like this podcast, we would love for you to rate it on the platform that you're on, share it with people that you know. That's how that we're able to get the word out. And then also, I want to make you aware of a seminar that we have coming up on Saturday, July the 29th. And in this seminar, it's called Finding Peace. John, everybody wants a little bit of peace in their life, and we are going to help them find it. And this seminar will be at North Star Church at their South Campus 
uh, on, uh, again, Saturday, July the 29th. It's $60 per person or $90 per couple. And uh, the seminar is going to run from 9 in the morning till 4.30 in the afternoon. Dr. John's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Uh, you can register online, again, gracefellowshipinternational.com, and you can get all of the resources and details there. Thank you for listening to Glimpses of Grace. We pray today guided you into a more complete and victorious identity in Christ. If you would like more information about Grace Fellowship International, please visit us online at www.gracefellowshipinternational.com. If you would like to contact us, please send us an email, hello at gracefellowshipinternational.com. We hope you have a great day.